Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Sharing Sweat Equity, a business podcast hosted by your El Paso Hispanic Chamber and the Minority Women's Enterprise Diversity Center. Before we get started, a quick word about our sponsors. If you're looking for commercial real estate in El Paso, reach out to our friends at Epicenter, 915-532-3456. They have locations all over the Sun City. I would also like to thank Sun Carpets for sponsoring our podcast room. My name is Desiree Manzanares, and I am the public policy advocate for the Hispanic Chamber. And this morning, I am with Baron White, who is going to speak to us about his business, ESL International. Good morning, Mr. White. Well, good morning. I'm uh, honored to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, ESL International, how did that come to be? came to be in 2012. Uh, I am a former educator uh, principal, and I was an interim principal at the San Jacinto Adult Learning Center, downtown El Paso. Uh, and of course, it's teaching adults. And I got a call from Yazaki Corporation. Uh, they, they deal with manufacturing. They're one of the world's largest automotive, manu- uh, automotive parts manufacturers. They wanted us to teach their Japanese engineers Spanish. And I, I was so apologetic, I, I told them, we cannot do that uh, because we're, we're a federally funded uh, uh, education entity. We cannot do that. Uh, it's English, it can go from Spanish to English, but not from English to Spanish. Mm-hmm. So um, I got off the phone uh, with the director there, and I walked down the hall, and it just, a light bulb came on. And I said, I'm an educator. I can start a business. So I called them back and said, I will start a business. Uh, let me uh, come speak with you. And I gave them a proposal. And working with the Japanese has just been amazing. It's a learning experience. If you've never worked with the Japanese, totally different work, work style. But uh, I worked for, with them uh, and had a contract with them from 2012 to, well, COVID. And of course, they're not flying in now because of, uh, of COVID. But uh, we've been with them for nine years. Wow. Well, I continue. I, I think we're still with them, even though we're not back in their facility. Uh, right. But they haven't told us we're fired, so I, <laughs> well, I that's assume good. we're still there. <laughs> <laughs> so I know COVID, um, the pandemic really made businesses struggle. A lot of businesses couldn't make it through. A lot of businesses had to re had to change exactly what they were doing, mm-hmm. and it caused a lot of issue. Mm-hmm. I know with with you, as you mentioned, COVID nineteen switched and changed how you guys operated. Definitely. So what are two main struggles that you faced and ESL International faced during the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, first and foremost, the biggest one is it shut everything down. I mean, no business at all. In my industry, uh, I know where language acquisition uh, is totally different than a lot of other businesses and the fact that we depend on people coming to us to give instruction and also the idea that what how we go about our business is that we do online and we do face-to-face but we also have support afterwards Uh, it affected us in the way that like I said the Japanese aren't coming in so that just squelched everything also the other part of that is that face-to-face issue of people and my, even my employees, and they're so dedicated, and, I, and it was my thinking, I don't want to subject them to any, any uh, uh, infection or disease that's, that's going to impair them and their family. So it, it really caused 
initially, initially, a lot of stress, as it did everyone, because we've never lived through this before. Uh, I'm old, but not that old. Didn't <laughs> live through the Spanish one. So uh, uh, it, it, it caused us a lot of uh, a grief. Now, and if you don't mind, let me extend that a little bit. Uh, we had some other contracts working, such as Tecma. Uh, they're an incubator here in El Paso. They, they actually have a lot of companies that come together and house them so they can do work in Mexico. Well, because of how we are, uh, you might say, identifying a lot of the issues of manufacturing and the workforce here in El Paso and people, we're a wonderful border city, and we have, in my opinion, we probably have, well, in my opinion, we have a lot of clout in mm -hmm. Texas. A lot of big businesses are coming to town thanks to Borderplex Alliance. So we started dealing with universities in Mexico because they were going to put together uh, uh, a workforce that took those university students out and put them into the manufacturing, some of them who, who study that, to get into the manufacturing business to learn specific facets of that. So we've been talking to uh, University of Monterrey and some of the other uh, universities. Unfortunately, I'm not very good at speaking Spanish. <laughs> I read it better than I speak, but the idea with my folks, we had conversation, and through Borderplex Alliance, we had conversations on how we were going to transition those those students into manufacturing. Um, and it and it's uh, and there's a name for it, and I cannot read economico desarrollo economico. I, I get them confused, and I should be ashamed <laughs> of myself. But the idea was that is to improve the standard of living in Juarez, mm -hmm. in Mexico. So it was, a, it was a wonderful thing. Well, COVID came along, shut that door right off. Mm -hmm. And of course, with transport and all that, a lot of companies was having, having difficulty with Tecma that stopped our communication because we were gonna start teaching those people who were coming in and going to Mexico, they didn't have the background in Spanish. We were going to start that process. Mm -hmm. So it just stopped all negotiations. So it really, wow. it was. A, it's been a struggle. Uh, it's been a heart, a heart, heart pain to struggle. It's kind of like, uh, and I'll use this term: is is having a sick child. Okay. And that's painful. Yeah, because this is your this is your baby in it a is. sense. This is something is. that you develop from the ground up. Exactly, exactly. And it's not just. It's how our processes work. You can come and go to any other company and say, "I want to, I want to learn language." We do more than that. We actually provide an assessment before you even start. We want to know what your foundation language is, and then we want to know what, if any, your foundation is in the language you want to learn. Mm -hmm. And we teach Portuguese, French, uh, Japanese, English, and Spanish right now. And so by knowing what your preliminary, what your home, home language is, we can gauge where you need to start in the language you want to learn. And that's another topic, another discussion that we'll have hopefully later on and what I believe education is doing wrong for our kids who are newcomers to our schools mm -hmm. and, to our, and to our community because they're not testing them. Yeah, they have the state test, but they're not testing or assessing them on what their home language is. So right. if you miss that boat, you're starting English up here and the kids are down here in their home language. That's not going to work. Right, and I, I know in um, in Texas, pre-K is not a mandatory, mandatory. Uh, 
class to be enrolled in. So a lot of students, especially in our area, when they um, move over here or when their family speaks primarily Spanish at home, exactly. they're coming into third or fourth grade with very little English. Yes. And they're being put into classes that are either one day English, one day Spanish, mm -hmm. or they're being put into um, a monolingual class where yes. they really struggle with it. Very much so. And uh, and I and I know that and I know for a fact this does not happen in El Paso because we're a totally different community. But to tell you, to, <laughs> let me tell you what they're doing up north. In some instances, kids who are Spanish-speaking, predominantly Spanish speakers, going up north. Uh, I was in Vegas attending a show, and in what was happening, I was overhearing a conversation of educators while we're waiting in line to get in, and the the main statement was. Well, those Spanish kids, we don't know what to do with them. So, you know, we, we, just, we just have an ARD and put them in special ed. I was appalled. I turned around. I said, I hate to interrupt and in, in, intrude into your conversation. But the statement you just made offends me. I'm from El Paso. Uh, we have a predominantly Hispanic population. And for you to say that you put kids in special ed because of based, you think they don't know, but it's because of the language and you're not addressing that, offends me. And that kind of started a little bit of a tense conversation, so I just said, I'm sorry, and I minded my own business. And do you think that um, the current way that we look at education encourages children to not embrace their home language if that is Spanish, or it encourages them to not learn another language? Wow, that's a good question. I don't really think so in the fact that because we are a predominantly Hispanic population and it is a home language, I think here in El Paso particularly, we don't think that, well, English, you should be speaking English. You know, that's the, the, the language of the United States. And we're not so much about that in El Paso. We're very fluent in how we... Uh, uh, how we communicate with one another. It's a friendly place. It really is very seldom. Uh, and if you're attempting to speak Spanish or English, people help you out. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a, El Paso is a different place. It's, it's a, I think they're more tolerant and we are more tolerant of people coming in not knowing a particular language or needing to learn a language. And we work together a little better than a lot of other places and in, even in other places in Texas that I won't mention but uh, <laughs> I, I don't I'm, I'm and going back to some of that struggle we were talking about a little bit earlier that's the other struggle I'm dealing with emotionally is how our kids are growing up in our community and what we're doing to not allow them to excel and I'm gonna say it this way uh, I'm a big proponent uh, a believer in career and technology and what we're doing in career and technology is it's in English. Okay, that's fine. But we're not preparing the kids from seventh grade or sixth grade to eighth grade to prepare them to get into career and tech so they can and learn the language. So let's say you want to be a nurse. So shouldn't you be, let's say, in the eighth grade or so, we should be preparing you for those terms that you're going to have when you get to career and tech? Mm -hmm. Well, after speaking with uh, districts here in town, it has, it is upsetting to me that they won't stop and say, yes, 
we need to teach these kids better terminologies so we can prepare them when they get to career in tech because when now when they get there they actually remove themselves because they don't have the foundation in English so we're cheating our kids and that is not right and education is one of those mountains that is so difficult to move but I'm gonna keep trying because we're not doing right by way of our kids and our community we need those kids to go come into our industries you know whether and you don't have to and I maybe shouldn't say this but you know college is good but more kids are going into technology outside of the higher ed domain and we need to be we need to prepare them for that you know uh, my brother did not go to college he makes a lot more money than I do <laughs> you know and he's he's into high voltage he's into high voltage he went to tech school mm -hmm. he's doing well for himself mm -hmm. you know so I don't know I, I think our attitude needs to change on how we're actually accommodating those kids uh, coming into the education and what we need to look at when they exit so so the two main struggles that you've seen during COVID that that you faced was mm -hmm. was business as well as emotional yes. and, and I think that that's very true for a, a lot of small business owners. definitely so what is one way that you were able to pivot I know a lot of small businesses they looked at what was happening and they decided you know that they were not gonna let this ship go down mm -hmm. they were gonna find some way to survive even though they didn't know how long COVID was going to last, they didn't know the lasting effects of it. True. What is one way that, that you pivoted? I like the term pivot, but I'm going to use another word. I actually sat down and I had to reaffirm my processes. Mm -hmm. All right. Am I, what is my mission? What is my vision statement? Right now as I sit, am I doing what that vision and mission uh, that we wrote uh, nine years ago is it still in place how effective are we with that uh, I had to reaffirm and come back and say hmm no we have to change what we're doing not the foundation of what we're doing because the foundation is there and the purpose those the mission is there the vision is there but there's some gaps in what I was doing so yes we are very well, our business is down. My employees are still with me. Uh, we talk. I give them updates on what I'm doing to gain more business. But we've also sat and talked about how can we better improve what we're doing community-wise. And to, to show how my employees think, there came an opportunity. I was doing some... Uh, having some conversations with our smaller districts, rural districts, Fabens and Tornillo. And I called them, and the superintendents were very open. I said, you know, your newcomers here, whatnot, let us, let us see how our process of teaching language works with your newcomers. They were open. They said, great, we had 18 kids that we, it was online because we could not, of course, face-to-face -face at that time. This was back April. Uh, earlier this year and uh, we had face-to-face -face online we actually created a different type of process with them because they're not adults we uh, with the adults and what makes our our process so um, so different than what you'll find with other language companies we take what you do as a career as an adult anyway as a career and we teach you the language based on what you do 
So therefore, you have a better buy-in and you understand what your needs are and what your language is in your career. Let's just transfer that and we'll show you that in another language. And it, and it works. It's amazing. And I won't go into that because that's another statistics and data, <laughs> data that we have that we did with the Japanese. But we said, okay, kids don't have a career, but they have hobbies. They like, whether it be television or gaming or whatever it might be, we can accommodate that through teaching and have them uh, learn English. So we were, not we were not able to have them for so long. Uh, it was only for about three months because then came the state test. But we did assess them prior to, and then as, as we went along, um, it worked. The kids were open, they enjoyed it, the parents enjoyed it. And we actually, and the reason I know that, some parents sat in with their kids here and there, oh, which wow. was, I did not expect that at all. But uh, we had, uh, at the end, uh, we had purchased for the kids uh, uh, little tablets and ear earphones and that, you know, just for appreciating, uh, giving them a sign that we appreciate them participating. And when we were in the meeting, some kids actually had notebooks they brought with them and showed us what they were taking notes on and, and, and and their understanding of the language. It was beautiful. I could not have been more pleased. So I wanted to come back this next school in August and say, hey, let us help you. Haven't heard from them. The really? Districts. Haven't heard from them. And I'm upset. And I told them, you know, at $9.92 a child, that's nothing. And that's low, all right? That just is almost cost because our kids need help. So, to go back and answering your question, that pivot, we now know how to assist our kids better in our community. We have the process down, we have the development down, and also on the other end of that, and I will talk about this a little bit later, is in my thinking, in order for us to accommodate our community better, I needed to develop and establish a nonprofit foundation. So back in, gosh, I started it in May. I talked to the president of operations for, for my company and we sat down and talked and I said, okay, we need to garner, we need, we need more capital. Just put it blunt, you know, bluntly, it's that grants help us. As a for-profit business, it's difficult to get a grant, all right, especially a community grant. So I said, okay, I'm going to start a, a foundation, and it's called Language Acquisition Research Foundation of Texas. And we do research. We actually are, I won't say partnered, but we have, we've, they've done studies with us in their labs at the University of Houston on uh, virtual learning and uh, cognates and all those types of things that it deals with learning a language. And one of the professors, Dr. Hernandez, is on our team. Oh, and okay. he's a researcher. He's the, uh, he's the author of The Bilingual Brain and has taught us so much about how we learn language. And we're looking at the brain, and they have probes that you put on the head. See where those learning centers are when you learn language. It is the most fascinating thing you've ever seen. And because we flew from El Paso to his lab oh, in wow. Houston. When we, and that, he's been with us for now eight years. And uh, it, it's just amazing. So we take 
we take this process of language acquisition on the foundation side, and we're now that I have my final document that we are a real 501c3 organization, now we can operate, and I've called El Paso Community Foundation, and Stephanie Otero has just been an angel. She has helped us, guided us through a process of how we can apply for grants and how we can go through that, and we're teaming with more people, and that's what the pivot is all about, is teaming with other people in the community, other businesses in the community, to do business for the community. Hmm. Uh, we met last week with uh, it's called the, uh, goodness, is it Western Governors University, I believe. Uh, they deal with a lot of uh, veterans coming out, uh, people coming out of the military, going and getting back into uh, the community. And so they, they uh, have, they are now going to partner with us, mm-hmm. which I'm ecstatic, you know. That's a part of that pivot. The other part of the pivot not necessarily with language specific, but dealing with technology. I now am starting a technology department within our company. Oh, I probably, but I'll probably move that underneath the uh, the foundation. I'll probably move that. But we're now getting it set up. We're we're looking at equipment. We're looking at program uh, because Vista College went out of business. It, he, I started to say, I won't, I won't say he fell in my lap because that doesn't sound right. I'll, say, <laughs> I'll just say a, a, a bowling colleague of mine, we were talking, and he says, yeah, they let us go, and they're going to go bankrupt. And I whoa, hey, I have an idea. And so he's a certified instructor and has all those certifications for teaching technology. And I have another person who's in Germany who's been with us for nine years. So we're teaming together. And we're doing, we're going to do online. It's basically a hybrid. Interesting. So, yes. so one of the one of the pivots that you that you had is the idea you strengthened your technology. Yes. And that is going to, I'm sure, benefit you Definitely. even post COVID. Yes, it is. So, what is like that's an accomplishment in itself. But mm-hmm. what is an accomplishment? that you guys celebrated during the COVID-19 pandemic. Is there something that was really just the silver lining? Yes. Oh, I have two. Okay. One is I celebrate every day and give thanks to my employees because they're, they've been with me. They've stayed with me. Mm-hmm. That's a celebration for me because it's hard to find individuals who think like you do. And I'm not going to say they always agree with me, but then we're permitted to, they're permitted to, Baron, I don't think that's going to work because this, this, and this, and this. Or why don't we try this instead? We sit around. We're professionals. I, they are professionals. So why wouldn't I use their professionalism, their knowledge, their, their backgrounds in developing what we have? Mm-hmm. It, so I celebrate them, and they, they've been just a, a caring part of my business, and they love the community. As I was telling you, they did that pilot for free. And that took a lot of work. The development of those lessons for kids in the way we do it, it took some time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, oh, let's try it. No, we had to fit it to that age group from adults down. So I celebrate them. The other one is the award that through the Hispanic Chamber was a total surprise. Uh, and I wish I remembered the whole title of that. Oh, the 2021 
Entrepreneurial Spirit of the Year Growth for the Future Appreciation Award. That is a mouthful. I was about to say. <laughs> Jeepers. But, uh, uh, you know, the working with the Hispanic Chamber has, I cannot emphasize enough how much I appreciate them because they offer so much. And yeah, they say for women, but you know what? I've been to some of those trainings and it's not just for women, it's for every business. And I, I think it's, it's a, a compliment to, to Cindy uh, Ramos Davison uh, and her group on how they, how they communicate with businesses here in El Paso, how they invite us in, how they pull, pull us together in tight situations such as COVID. I'm telling you, it's brave. That took that took some bravery. We're going to have a meeting, and we're going to talk to the mayor, and we're going to talk to the county health. This now we're going to talk to the governor, and this is how. It, and you know that takes a lot of. I'll use the word guts. You know it does because either you're going to be wrong or you're going to be right. And she did right by El Pasoans. She did right by. The, the the businesses here in El Paso, and I wish every business would join the Hispanic Chamber because you all, you, and I'll say they do so much. Mm -hmm. They do so much to keep us together. So that's the second one I celebrate. Um, it, it uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, they open a lot of doors for businesses. Well, I'm glad that, that the Hispanic Chamber has been able to to assist you. Mm -hmm. And I know that that is our overall goal. COVID-19 oh. really did um, a number on, on a lot of small Didn't businesses. It. Well, one thing that, that we're really interested in is up and coming entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 was scary, is scary. Yes. And a lot of kids or students who are about to graduate, people who were in college or trade schools, that may have wanted to start a business, there's now this shadow of doubt that hangs over it. Will they be able to do it in this time during COVID? Will they be able to make it successful post-COVID? What words of advice do you have for up-and-coming entrepreneurs or current business owners who are trying to find the inspiration to open a business mm -hmm. or to find a sense of normalcy? After this pandemic, <laughs> normalcy. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a I word. I use that term loosely. <laughs> normalcy. No, there's not going to be normalcy, but there's going to be. Um, it's going to be a different type of normalcy. But to answer your question, why would you not want to start a business if you have a dream? Why would you want to squelch your dream because something happened, uh, like COVID? Doesn't mean that your business is not going to work. Uh, being a business, number one. It's an attitude, you know. It's a confidence. It's uh, did you, if you're new and you're hesitant in starting, uh, the advice I can give is yes, start it. But sit down and based on what has happened now in our world, in our community, where do you fit in now as opposed to when you first thought about it and wanted to start it, you know? And fill in that gap like I did earlier. I filled in some gaps to accommodate. Are you going to be more community-based? Are you going to appeal to more of the commercial side and uh, whether it be in uh, retail or services, how are you going to, how is that going to affect community around you and your employees if you decide to have them? How are you going to develop your tools based on 
what has happened now. Because if you don't attack what is happening now, it can hurt you later. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. <laughs> so the idea is you have a baby that you're going to grow. Mm -hmm. All right? And what's that old saying? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, COVID is the bathwater. Mm -hmm. Yes, COVID is there. You're going to throw it out emotionally because you can't let it stop you. But just like all babies, you need to nurture it. You need to grow it. You need to train it. You need to, even you're so proud of it, you're going to brag about it. There's your advertising, your marketing, all those things. And the one thing before you even get started as a new business, you want to get some advice. First of all, where do you bank? You need to make a connection with your bank. If you have a business account, if you've already started a business and you're kind of floating along, if you've not made contact with your bank and talked to the your bank officers there, you need to be, you need to brag about your company to them because they're the ones that can help you later on. Mm -hmm. I learned that from my father-in-law years ago. You make those relationships because those are the ones who can give you advice down the road economically. And as my bank, my, I have an excellent banker, and I throw things at him. He says, hey, I don't know, Baron. You might think of this instead. And we have a discussion. He also helped me with my PPP loan. He was in his office on Sunday when PPP came out, and he called me on the phone and said, Baron, they changed the guidelines of the application. We need to redo it. I said, do you need me to come up? He says, no, I think we can do it from here, but you need to do this on your computer and send it to me. I'll send this to you, yada, yada. We have a close communication. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, wonderful person. The next person you need is a CPA, a certified public accountant. You need someone who can take care of your taxes and give you guidance on do's and don'ts of dealing with your business. Do that before you get started so you don't get stuck in the middle mm -hmm. as, as you go along. And you can start documenting and doing those things. I have a wonderful CPA, been with me for years. And then the last thing is, and hopefully you don't need him, is an attorney. Ah. You need to get acquainted with an attorney. Just call, uh, get, well, I say just call, but get uh, recommendations from some other businesses. Come, uh, matter of fact, there are people within Hispanic Chamber. You know, get get advice from them. Um, who who's a good attorney here in town? Or you know, I'm a small businessman. How who who do you consider to be good for small business? They all have different tiers of expertise. So, those are the three entities you need to have in place as a new business. Mm -hmm. And after you get acquainted with them and start doing business, now you can start cultivating your your business as you go down the road and bring people into the fold and you know it's it's a wonderful opportunity right now i think to open a business so basically know your community know your people who are there to help you yes. and reach out exactly Perfect. oh and don't forget the hispanic chamber <laughs> because there's a lot of businesses who who participate with them and you can get a lot of assistance well, thank you so much for, for that. Mr. White, thank you so much for joining us today. We very much appreciate you coming in and all you do for the Chamber um, and for being a part of our community. And again, ESL International, just one of the um, 
shining lights within our community. You've really you. inspired many of us uh, throughout COVID-19 and, and congratulations on all you do. Well, thank you very much and what a wonderful opportunity to express what I feel for Hispanic Chamber and our community. Thank you so much. And this is the Hispanic Chamber with Sharing Sweat Equity. Thank you so much.